0: Houston, we are go for launch in T minus 30 seconds. Every day I become a better operator. Whatever it is, and it happens. Why? Because I don't take time off.
1: We are green on all engines, sir.
0: I only knew one way and I knew the right way.
1: Initiating launch countdown 10, 9,
0: 8, 7, 6, five, three, three, Start. 3, two, 2, 1. one. Please for ignition.
2: The Service Rocket Podcast has good liftoff.
0: Welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast, hosted by Victor, the Rocketman Rancor. Please enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast. This is episode number eight. Uh, Today, I got an exciting guest on here. He's one of my business partners, friends, badass dude. He's been in the industry for a long time. He started out as a technician, worked his way up to now he's operating a a badass company out in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, welcome to the Service Rocket Podcast, Jeff Packard, man. How how you doing?
2: Good, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're uh, well, obviously I've had you on the podcast before, you know, previously. And you know, I think a lot of things have kind of changed since then. And I wanted to bring you back on, kind of tell your story again to, to my client or to my listeners, uh, but also just talk about what you got going on, man. It seems like you have some big stuff going on with one stop.
2: Yeah, we're growing. We're uh, we're doing good. We're uh, we're growing and exceeding last year's revenue and just trying to double up every year.
0: Awesome. So, you know, Jeff, now he's he's owning and operating a one-stop heating and air out out in Utah. Uh, But, you know, we started out as a technician. You want to kind of talk about, let's take it back to when you first got into HVAC and kind of how you worked your way up through it and where you got how you got to where you're at now.
2: Yeah, I think I got in like a lot of people got in just kind of by accident, being young and uh, needing a job. I never really intended to get into HVAC. I had a roommate that was doing HVAC on the commercial industrial side and and I was working delivering packages and not really doing nothing for my future. I was young, about twenty-one years old, about to have my first kid. And he said, "Let's let's start doing HVAC." And he said he could get me a job installing. So, so that's where I started, man. March of two thousand. So, twenty-two years
0: in the industry. That's that's like quite a bit of time. How old were you at that time?
2: Uh, I was like twenty-one years old at that time.
0: So you're twenty-one years old. Um, what else did you, what else do you have going on in your life at that time? You know, kind of, you know, did you have any direction or are you just like, man, hope and pray this works or what was your thoughts when you first got into it?
2: Um, I didn't have a lot of direction and I didn't have a lot of direction for years after that in, in the industry. Um, I got in the, I was about to become a father, so I knew I needed a good job and a way to support my kid, but I got into the industry and I worked in the industry for probably, uh, six to eight years before I really started getting direction and and started to excel in it. I, and I think that's part of my success, to be honest, is I spent a lot of time installing. So once I did get the opportunity to, to do service and sales, then uh, it came a little more natural to me because it's something I've been doing for a while.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of guys they, they haven't been on that side. So a lot of owners, you know, including myself, I started as a service technician. You know, worked my way up to being a sales guy. Right. I never really knew the install side until you know the day I had my entrepreneurial seizure, and I'm like, oh shit, someone's got to put these things in, right? Right. And you know, I think that's a you know, it's a big it's a big deal, right? Because I I even have some friends now that just started a business a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he thought he was a sales guy with me. He started a business and he calls me after he just he left his job. He builds out his business. He's already spent like fifty fifty thousand dollars into it. He's got trucks. He's ready to go. He calls me and he says, "Hey, where do I find installers?" I was like, "Whoa, brother, <laughs> let's hold up. When you did all that shit without installers, like you got to understand who's gonna install this shit for you. Like that's how that's the lifeblood of the business. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're you obviously start out as an installer. We'll circle back to you know later on starting your business. Start out as an installer, work your way up. How is that conversation? How did you get your boss to say, hey? you know, hey, hey, boss, I want to become a service tech, right? Yeah. I, I tell my installers, you're a fucking installer. I don't want you to be a service tech because it's hard to make new installers. It's easy to make service techs, in my opinion.
2: Pretty much had to do it just like that. I had to go tell him. I had to I had to kick the door down. Uh, I was a good installer because I have much experience I had, and I was talking to the uh, the service manager and telling them that I want to get into service because one of the service guys was, was talking to me on jobs and telling me, you know, kind of, pumping me up saying you can do this. this is where the money's at so I got real hungry at it and I was talking to the the service manager saying I want to get in the service want to get in the service and he told me the same shit he's like you're not ready you're not ready and I probably wasn't I didn't have any service experience but um, the boss the owner of the company I worked for for several years he never showed up to the business so I called him one day Uh, at his house and said, Can I come over and talk to you? Can I come over and visit with you? And he was like, Sure, come on over. And I came over and told him, uh, I want to do service. I want to do sales like I think I can do this. And, and he was like, "All right, man, I'll give you the chance. And I remember he told me he's like, You got to fake it till you make it. And that's what I did. I faked it for quite a few years and uh, then became successful doing it.
0: And, you know, what Jeff said is is important, right? I think a lot of people, they overthink, right? So they, it's like it's analysis or paralysis by analysis, right? So you overthink things rather than jumping in it. And, you know, I was reading a book in, the other day and it's like, you just got to put yourself in it and then you can figure it out. Because if you wait forever for, some, for it to all come together and all of a sudden now you want to go launch, it's like even when you started business, right? You wait until everything was perfect. You got everything in place. Then you go launch. By that point, you're already broke. You ain't got no money and yeah. you got to figure it out at that point. So, you know, that's, I think that's the key. If you're, a, if you're in this industry or you're thinking about getting into it, or you're thinking about moving in a different role, just act as if, you know, you got to act yeah. as if you've been there, act as if you belong. And, and, you know, obviously you, eventually you're going to be there. If, if you don't take that step, you're never going to get there. So that was important, obviously in changing the way your life probably turned out. Right. Yeah. So as if you're still humping, humping installs every day.
2: No, I do. Uh, I act like that with everything, not just with work, but I act like I'm supposed to be there. It go, this shit goes a long ways, for sure. Uh, but what you were saying is imagine still humping installs and, and having the friend that was, the, where do I find installers? The fact that I did that for that long, I knew. So when we did start business, I had installers from day one. The day I opened my business, I had installers because I knew damn well I didn't want
0: to do that anymore. Oh yeah. And and obviously no, 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 nothing bad about what installers do. Obviously they're the lifeblood of a business. Mm-hmm. And hell I, yeah. I get paid a hell of a lot of money. I, I look at some, I look at the payrolls. I'm done, I'm like, God damn, I might be an installer. You know what I mean? Right. So there's there's great opportunity in that. But obviously when you move over into service, that's where you get into sales. And as you guys know, the more you sell, the more money you make normally. And, and it gives you an open opportunity. So you transition from installer, you start moving over into the sales department. Or service department, or were you allowed to sell equipment at that point, or you just time just servicing the system? No, it was
2: all uh, a sales tax. We didn't have really any sales guys. That's kind of how I came up in the industry was so I was allowed to sell on my own from
0: the get nice. So you came in, how long did it really take you to start start understanding the consumer side? Because going from being the installer where you're just going in there focusing on installing all day. So now you got to go in there. You got to diagnose the problem. You got to go talk to that. You got to go communicate to the homeowner why they need to go with it. Then you got to communicate value on why you know you get they should pay the price or why they should go yeah. with your company. How long did that transition take? Did it was it was it overnight or was it like hey I went home and started practicing day in and day out to figure it out?
2: No, it was uh it, I mean I had some success at the get uh but it was it was really uh. A couple of years before I really started to thrive in it and really started to have a lot of success, it yeah. took me a while to get to that point. I competed with other guys in, in the service side that were that were better than me, but I've been uh at the time. But I've I've always been competitive as hell, so I always wanted to to get to where they were at. So that was a good good competitive spare for me.
0: And I think that's something. Obviously, knowing knowing you now, like you don't you don't like to lose much. I can no. Tell. <laughs> It's not, it's not really in your DNA. So, I mean, obviously, you know, coming up, obviously you've gotta, you got to, you got to take, you know, a lot of people think I like can go A to Z and, you know, I was on a podcast recently and all of a sudden people are hitting me up. Hey, I want to get an HVAC. And I'm like, dude, you don't just get into HVAC like that. People don't understand the amount of time energy effort it takes to become a great technician to become a great uh, selling technician or become a great installer. It's not overnight. Right. Like, And that's what I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I can go sell HVAC. I'm like, you can go sell it but you probably won't sell it at a very high rate and you're probably not going to sell it at a high price the price you need to sell it at the margin and you're going to fuck a lot of shit up so like, right. if a guy a sales guy comes in today i can't just have him sell air conditioning it takes time you got to design the system you got to learn what you're doing you got to learn airflow you got to learn how to deal with customers then you got to deal with warrant permitting and all these other things that go into it so if you guys think that jumping into hvac sales is an easy thing you know you're in for a whole fucking rude awakening if you really try to try it out so hey guys i hope you guys are enjoying the service rocket podcast this is your host victor rancor exciting news we had some tickets open up for the service rocket growth summit it's october 20th through 22nd resort world las vegas you're gonna want to be there we have some of the best owners operators trainers and motivators in the country all in one place coming together to help you guys grow your business grow your sales and hopefully grow in life so if you haven't got a chance yet go to servicerocketnetwork.com go ahead and get signed up today cannot wait to see you guys in vegas how long were you you into uh into install or in hvac by the time you became a selling technician
2: um i think eight years eight years i spent a lot of time doing it and i and i hit a lot of different aspects of the trade like i i did commercial industrial for like the first three years that i did hvac and then uh then i did residential installs and i did that for probably another three three to four years as well before uh before i started working at the company that where i started doing service sales and i started i started there as a as an installer and probably was there for about a year a uh, year to two
0: years before i d- started doing service for them nice so you, you're now working for a company um you know grinding day in and day out i know at one point you were you became the top sales guy there right yep so you became the top sales guy how much money are we making over there uh, my good best man.
2: year I made a little over 300,000 that year.
0: So 300,000. That's not that's a lot of coin right there. That's not a, that's not a little mm-hmm. bit of money. He's living in Utah like that's a lot of coin in California let alone in Utah. So you you're living pretty good. Living good. How old are your kids at this point?
2: Uh my kids at this point were 15 15 and 12. So yeah, teenagers young almost teenagers.
0: So making money you got your kids kids are now in their teens. It's hard at that point. You start getting comfortable, right? Like very comfortable. Yeah, you start feeling comfortable, and a lot of guys get in that position. Like, especially as a business owner, I want my sales guys to go start buying shit. So I want to go buy a boat, a house, yeah. all kinds of shit. So you can never leave me, right? I want you to be in debt. Right. <laughs> I want you to be in debt forever. Yeah. So you got to keep. your can't just go quit your job, right? Yeah. So you're doing this. You're making this other guy money. You said he doesn't come to the office very often, right?
2: No, he he was never involved in the day to day. Okay. So, There's people that work for him for a year without even meeting him.
0: So, you know, that's that's also important, right? If you own an HVAC business, any business for that, right? Like when the owner's disconnected, what happens is the business is other people are like, well, we, we're running this thing, right? You get the, the mentality, like I'm already running the show. Why, why do I want to keep working for this guy, right?
2: Yeah, I had a lot of customers that would ask me that. Um, they would ask me, is this your business? And I'm like, no, no. And they're like, why don't you start your own business? And I said, I'm doing too. I'm doing good enough on my own. Like I'm doing uh, not on my own, but working for this guy. I don't want to deal with the stress. I don't want to deal with this and that like $300,000 a year and, and be off it you know, six o'clock or whatever. I mean, I grinded, worked hard, but to be off and not have to deal with shit, that's kind of envious, especially with the business owner. Now, yeah. if you can make 300 a year and not deal
0: with the bullshit we deal with, <laughs> sounds very tempting. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, obviously that goes in what goes into running a business and you don't know it as a sales guy. because You just think that guy's making all kinds of money, no stress. He's out, right. he's, he's on vacation and you don't realize what actually goes into running a business. So, uh, I got to find out the hard way because I went from making a shit out of money to doing the same thing. And I'm like, okay, where's my money now? Who's, right. who's going to pay? Wait, I don't get a paycheck this Friday. What do you mean I don't get a paycheck? Wait, I got to put my own money back into this bitch. Right. So obviously you go, you start, you crush it as a sales guy. What was the moment that you finally decided that you're going to have that entrepreneurial seizure where you're going to go start your own business?
2: Uh, the company I work for, and it's a blessing now, but the company I work for was, was going downhill. So I had to grind uh, after 2016. That was my top year. 2017, I had to work a lot harder, made less. Uh, 2018, I was working even harder, making less again, uh, still making really good money. But the the trend was going down. So I knew at that point it was uh, either I had two options to go work for somebody else or uh, to start my own business. And And, and kind of like what you said, with the owner not being involved day to day, I pretty much like I considered myself self-employed for the last five years I worked for that company. Like it wasn't a problem with me working. So with me working my ass off and taking the calls when it was busy, I could get off when I wanted. I made my own schedule in a sense. Um, I didn't have to really answer to anybody. So that wasn't an option to go work for somebody else and start that shit over and start over at the bottom of the totem pole. So it was either that or start my own business, and I
0: knew that I could do it, so starting my own business was was the option. So you made the decision, day one, where did you come up with the name? Obviously, One Stop's a great name. Um, it's, you know, if you think about it, it can expand into any, any, any yeah. genre, electrical, plumbing, whatever it is. So the name was great. Where did, where did that come from?
2: Uh, Googling good names for HVAC companies, and that's, that's where I found it. <coughs>
0: Well, that's, that works. That's that's a little cheating, okay? Brother? <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, I googled it and we
2: found like ten different names uh, that we were talking about, and so then I was looking on Doppel like, is this name taken? And is this name taken? And one stop just stuck in my head. Uh, that's a good, na- good name for a company. So I googled or I looked on Doppel and it wasn't taken. So I said, let's do it. That's what we're going with.
0: Nice. So now we got we got the name. We're getting ready. So how much cash was it that you used to start up one stop or did you, did you come in with money or did you just say, Hey, I just got to figure it out. Because I know I, sales, sales guys we like to blow our cash. I'm like I No. Money. Yeah. I didn't
2: come up with, <laughs> come in with a lot of money. I cashed out my 401k that I had uh, from the, the place that I worked. So I started out with, uh, with probably, you know, let's say $40,000 is pretty much what I started out with. So I bought, you know, out of that, I, I probably spent half of that on vehicles, So I bought uh, three vans, uh, got them wrapped. So they were wrapped. I already had the design and everything. I spent money on that. And then I knew I needed to spend money on marketing from day one, I wasn't going to be a small-time business, so I knew it was going to take money uh, to get the phone to ring. So we
0: invested money into marketing from day one. So obviously investing into marketing is important if you're not doing that with your business, and it's never going to go anywhere. Where did you go first? What was the thing that you said, hey, I got to go focus on this?
2: Um, I didn't really know. I mean, I knew Google was the biggest thing. so I, I use the, the terminology that, or the phrase that, that it's like having a, being blindfolded with a handful of darts and just throwing them at the fucking dartboard and seeing what sticks. So I knew it was going to take money to get the phone to ring, so I was spending money here, here, gotten some, some mailers, got a, a pay-per-click guy, SEO person, uh, probably wasted a lot of money on certain avenues, but got the phone to ring on other avenues, so kind of
0: figured it out from the get and then dial it in from that point. So a lot of people if a lot of people that probably listening to this they're scared to spend the money right and you know obviously it's scary because you put money out there and you you're throwing your fish net out there and you're hoping to catch some fish right and when you do catch those fish not only do you have to you have to convert them into something right because if you go get new customers and you're only charging 200 bucks humping capacitors all day are you really making any money right no so obviously talk about how important it was to have that sales background and, and be able to sell you know obviously not even just sell it but also sell it at the right price to be able to be able to scale your business Or did you start out real cheap in the beginning?
2: No, no, I didn't start out cheap, Uh, a lot cheaper than we are now. But that was the one part that I didn't worry about because I knew I had that. I knew I could convert. Uh, I was out in the field for the first probably three years of business, but I knew that I could sell. Uh, I knew if I could get in the customer's homes, I could sell. And I uh, recruited a couple guys to come work for me pretty quick that, that I knew could sell. So we didn't really have a process or a price book. Like we just knew what the what the prices were, we wanted to sell from, uh, so it was more of a worry for me to get the get the phone get the customers to come in because I knew I could sell.
0: Yeah, and that's in the same way with me. Like I'm like I just got to get the I gotta, I got to get the phones ringing. I remember when I first started. You know, I started in August around the same time as you. you June, yep. like in July or August. Uh,
2: we got the business license June first, but we started uh august september so we pretty much started business at the exact same
0: time and if anybody knows anything about starting a business in august or september it's kind of retarded yep. you wouldn't miss the whole summer season right so you, go, you get the little tail end of the summer you get some calls going and all of a sudden that first winter hits and your phones aren't going crazy right well mm-hmm. i guess in utah they probably get a little busier than here but like we went to well, i was just hanging out in a warehouse with me and my buddies playing video games for a while how did you guys get the phones ring when you didn't have the demand how were you guys taking in front of customers
2: um just spending money spending money on the marketing i mean obviously it's more expensive in uh during those off seasons the clicks are a lot more expensive than they are during the summer and the phone even in utah i mean we've got the cold weather but the phone doesn't blow up like it does in the summer like it's summer still our busiest time of the year hands down in utah but um, but it's 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 even like it's 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 super busy Uh, During the summertime, but then it's, uh, it stays steady during the wintertime. So um, just spending money on that marketing, having the the mailers that we were in the, the, the pay-per-click and just making the best of the customer or the customers we got in front of.
0: Yeah. And so if you guys are listening, what Jeff said, right, a lot of guys, they get scared of spending money. You have to continue like marketing. You just got to keep throwing your fish out there, throwing your fish net out there. No matter what time of year, if you, if you stop marketing, you end up dying. So if you guys are thinking about it right now, just prepare. Right. As it slows down, you got to spend more money. Just be OK with it. Just make sure you guys are, are, you know, obviously aligning with the right people that are doing their job and making sure you're monitoring it. How are you guys, uh, you know, knowing you now, I know you're a motherfucker when it comes to marketing, right? Like, so we want to talk about that, like how you hold your marketing people accountable. Because I feel like you scare me sometimes. Like Jeff will come over and stab you and start blowing his money. So you want (laughs) to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I got good people with me that that
2: do that. And the person sitting next to me, she knows more about the business than I do in that sense. But um, inspect what you expect. Like, you can't just spend that money on the marketing and then not know what your what your return is. Uh, because if that's the case, you're going to lose a lot of fucking money on marketing because everyone tells you that they're going to do a good job and everyone tells you they're going to get you a ton of customers, but not everyone can do that. So you've got to inspect it. You've got to. Uh, check and make sure that these marketing funnels are working and not be afraid to switch it up, not be afraid to throw more. And like you said, you got to throw that net out there to catch that fish. If you're afraid to throw that net and or your net's too small, you can't expect to catch that big fish. It ain't going to happen.
0: The other thing that Jeff does really well that you know most contractors fail on miserably, which is knowing his customer, knowing his ideal customer, knowing his avatar, He's not going and running home warranty calls. He's not running commercial calls. He's running the calls that make, make money. You want to talk a little bit about that, how you guys go through scrubbing your calls? Um,
2: yeah, we, we, uh, we have a good process as far as the question, right questions to ask. Uh, make sure that if they have home warranties, we tell them we're not even coming out. Um, and just asking the right questions as far as the age of the equipment. Uh, are you the homeowner? The location and we don't ask the age we never ask the age of the equipment we always ask when the equipment was installed uh, and just knowing the right way to ask those questions to the customers
0: so listening to that so knowing when the equipment's installed that's going to tell you a couple different things right because that's going to tell you you know if they were the ones that installed it because that yep. is important right because when i'm going to talk to a customer and they inherited a system they're not as mad when i tell them it's a piece of shit. like yeah you know i inherited this piece of shit. but some people right they might they know when it was installed they know who installed it they'll they'll tell you everything about it how much they paid they'll kind of start spilling the beans on it most of the time right yep so that's important so if you guys get anything you guys make sure you're scrubbing your calls not every customer is your customer i have this conversation with a lot of contractors all over They're like we got a lot of calls coming in i'm like are you making a lot of money well no i'll say okay have you gone through and ran a job cost on the job that you're running and figuring out what's important what do i want to go do what am i going to drop what's the most important call to me what's a call i want to get to my competitors right you can actually create a lot of friends in the industry, and all of a sudden you're like, you tell your competitor, "Hey, I'm going to send you calls. Do you mine." You start sending them calls, they think you, they think you're, they're your friend, right? But you're only sending the dog shit that you don't want. It's but true. hey, dude, Jeff's a badass guy. Dude, he keeps sending me, he keeps sending me calls. <laughs> what a nice dude he is. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so you did say you said the, you know, one of the most important parts of your business is this beautiful lady next to you, uh, your, your wife, Chasey. Chasey, you want to talk about how your involvement in the business is and. Just keep in mind, she runs the business, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's a pretty face, but you know, Chase is the one that does the, the, all the back end stuff. I mean, she's a badass. Let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, I forget a little bit closer to the mic and make it easier. Pretend like you love each other.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So my, um, my kind of niche, my expertise is mostly customer service dispatch. So going along kind of what you guys were saying is, is, you know, filtering the calls, training your staff to be able to, um, ask the right questions, um, knowing what calls to dispatch to what technicians. Um, So that's kind of my expertise. I do a lot of the other office stuff, training, you know, job costing. Um, I'm involved in a lot of the marketing, marketing avenues too. So that's kind of what I do.
0: What's your background? I know, you know, you got, you've been in the industry for a little while now, right? Yeah. So let's tell you a little bit about what you were doing before you were part of One Stop.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I came from property management, Um, And when I moved to Utah in 2013, I actually went to go work for the company that Jeff was working for. Um, I started as a customer service rep, quickly moved into dispatch, uh, spent some time in their accounting department. So I just absorbed as much as I possibly could. So I could literally work. I was one person that could work in every single department in the company. Um, So I think that's kind of what made me an asset when we started One Stop is I kind of knew more my expertise was all the office and customer service dispatch accounting. Um, and Jeff's was like more the field side. Uh, so we made a great team when we decided to, to branch out and do our own thing. Um, so I set up the office from, from very, Barry- get-go
0: so you know that's an important part because that was one thing you know when i made my switch i knew nothing about the office i still sign i, st- I mean i i get the processes now and i get all that stuff but i suck at that stuff mm-hmm. like that's not my expertise so having that that's i mean that had been vitally important to be able to grow the wow, business was as well huge
2: man it was uh, it's a big big part of my success because we i feel like we complement each other well I, i'm good at, at out in the field i'm good at being in front of the customers training the service techs on the right way to Make those calls valuable, but Chasey gets us to the right calls, gets us to the right customers, and it, it's so huge when when the when you go to the customer and the customer, you get there and you're diagnosing the system or you're just building rapport and they're like, who is that lady on the phone? And it's not whether it's Chasey or someone she trained, but they're always comment, oh that lady on the phone was very nice and that person was very helpful, and you're like, you know, you got that shit in the bag because on the front end. They've already set it up for you. So that part of it, uh, that's why we work so good together, because what I'm not good at, she's good at and vice versa.
0: Yeah. And what Jeff said is is important, right? Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of sales guys, right? They think, oh, I sold that shit. They think they're the the only part that matters in the cog of the business. And they're just a piece of it. So, you know, if you guys are the sales guy and you get that ego, right? Like, oh, this business ain't shit without me. A lot of times that call was sold before you ever got there. The way they answered, obviously they got to market the damn thing. So you got to get a lead in the door. So you're the owner got the lead in the door. You got to have a beautiful process on answering the phone. So they got to answer the phone, right? They got to get the right guy out there. They, they got you there, but they asked the right questions to get you there too. And then obviously you have the install department at the end. So it is vitally important. If you guys don't have the call center down and this goes back to the marketing, right? You can spend as much money as you want on marketing, but if you don't answer the phones correctly, most of those calls aren't going to get booked anyways. Yeah. So I know that, you know, our PPC guy, I talked to him. He's like, Yeah, it's it's 9 day difference. I can go spend the same amount of money with this with X company, same amount of money with B company. And all of a sudden, this company just crushes it. And this one sucks, but it's usually their phone answering. It takes them three, four, five minutes mm-hmm. to answer the phone. When they do answer it, they're not prepared. They're not asking the right questions. They're not doing these things. And you can burn a shit ton of money on marketing by not having the office staff set up. 100%. A
2: lot yeah. of the market most of the marketing people I talk to, are, that's always their big concern is, you know, the phone room and this is where it fails in the phone room. And it's nice to know that that we're not going to fail in the phone room. Like when those marketing companies express those concerns, uh, I'm like, we're good on that part. We're going to convert them.
1: Just make but, it ring.
2: Yeah, just make the phone yeah. ring. But I talk about that with everyone. It's a, it's a team sport and it's a relay race. And it's all about passing that baton without without dropping that baton. Like, uh, the office staff is the most important. They're the front line. They're the first person that's going to talk to the customer, and they're the last person that's going to talk to the customer if they fuck it up. Uh, yeah. But it's about them passing the baton off to the to the service guys, and then the service guys got to go out and and convert that job and turn that over and turn it into to a seller or a new install or whatever, and then they got to pass the baton off to the to the installers, and then the installers got
0: to go out there and kick ass and then they got to pass the baton back to this, back to the office. Yeah, there's, it's it's a big, it's a big wheel, right? The business is, is a living body, right? You got to have all these little pieces together to make everything work. So, so now you guys, you started this business, you know, you guys got some employees, you're scaling it. You know, I want to talk about the you know, obviously scaling your business. How did you, how was that first year?
2: Uh, we did good. We started, like I said, business in August, September. So for the first couple months, we were just getting our feet wet. We moved into the building uh, that we're still at in November. And so by that time we were doing business. So October, November, and December, we had revenue. We had probably 130, $150,000 a month in revenue for each of those three months. And then um, 2019, which was our first calendar year, uh, we did 2.4 million in revenue and we didn't know it was good until until really facebook and started meeting you and going to these events and talking to people and and they ask you know what your revenue was last year and they're like i tell them and they were like really for your first year and i was like
0: oh i guess that must have been pretty good <laughs> you know i, I had ellen roar on uh as a guest on our podcast and I was talking to her she's like they actually did a national statistic that only eighty percent of companies in the home service space will ever grow past three trucks. It's crazy. That's and of crazy. And those eighty percent, only eighty percent of those are one man bands. So you're just by passing three trucks, you're in the you're already in the top twenty percentile of the industry, right? And then as you scale past that, most people will not ever get past the four. So when you get yeah. past the four trucks, you're into the five, top five mm-hmm. percent, which is you know, which is pretty badass. But you really think about you know how hard it is to scale these businesses of all these. all these people have been starting businesses forever but nobody gets really past that point so i mean obviously to do that in the first year is is obviously fantastic so we're at 2.4 million first year in business how are you feeling feeling like a pimp yet no not Uh, not uh, not yet uh we didn't spend
2: uh any money man i didn't spend any money on myself for like three years and i still um it's all about profits man you see these people that are Doing doing two to four to five million dollars a year and they ain't making no fucking money, so we were profitable from day one, which allowed us to grow and get bigger and bigger. But no, Kemp status didn't come till (laughs) till just recently.
0: So yeah, so it is important, right? Like a lot of especially on the social media, you get caught up with all these guys and all the revenue and all these things and you forgot about the most important part, which is profits. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously in, in the businesses that are partnerships and stuff like that, that's what we talk about all day. We talk about EBITDA. We talk about profits. We talk about what really matters. Like why, why are you doing this business? If you're doing this for a charity, we could file as a 301 C. I guess right. you're signed. You have to be a charity yeah. tomorrow, but it, this shit sucks. This isn't a job you want to do being a business owner and not making money. Those are two things that don't, those things that don't mm-hmm. go together. And there's a lot of you guys out there that are probably listening to this right now. You're like, Oh, you know, but next year I'll make money, but next year I'll make money and you want to talk about how you're guaranteeing every day that you're making money i I know you guys are really big on the numbers you want to talk about you know how you guys are knowing you're winning every day well chasey talk about that there you go
1: um so yeah i think again it it goes back to like you said victor knowing your numbers i mean every day where we break down you know what our profits were. We job cost as the jobs come in. Um, that's one new thing we started doing. We used to job cost our jobs um, well after they were done, you know, say on a weekly basis. Um, but then you don't know until it's too late where you're, where you're lacking, whether your installers are taking too long, you're not a lot allotting enough time for the job to be completed. Um, but doing our job costing daily in real time has really helped us know that we're being profitable on every single job that we're doing um and if we ever see and, and jeff can attest to this i mean as soon as soon as i see one of my sales techs give a discount on a job i'm like no you can't do it you know um, if we make well, less than 65
2: percent margin on a job she. Gets i'm
1: freaking mad. out yeah, yeah <laughs> you guys
0: gotta think about it this way like it, it has to be you have to normalize not discounting because what happens and I've been there and I, I normalized giving discounts, right? We, yeah. we are giving discounts left and mm-hmm. right? And I gave a million dollars in discounts last year. Right. And when you normalize it, you allow it, then you guys start doing it and use it as a crutch. Yeah. But when you say, dude, this is our fucking price and you can't sell any below this price or you ain't making any money then it changes the mindset. So you guys got to get in the mindset like this is our price and you got to start breeding the guys and talking to the guys and getting them to buy in and what it costs to really run that business. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something you guys have excelled on. You know, obviously the guys you do have are killers, right? So, you know, I, I talked to a lot of guys and they got, you know, two killers on the team and a hundred fucking sheep. Jeff's right. the other way. He only, he breeds unicorns. He only breeds, he yes, only brings, he only wants to bring the guys that are going to sell at the margin that he needs. They're going to take care of his customers the right way and want to put the effort into actually becoming great at what they do. So you want to talk about that and how you guys communicate that, Hey, look, discounts ain't happening here. Yeah. I
2: think it's a lot about how you present, how you present options to a customer. And we always like to give multiple options to a customer. And I preach to my guys, uh, we're doing four to six options minimum for a customer. Not minimum, but not more than six, but four to six options for every customer. And then when when we do that, we only talk about the top options we only sell that top option verbally to a customer. And then we hand them the, the iPad or the sheet and let them look over the other options. And giving options gets away from discounting. Like if the customer, because when you only talk about the top option, that customer really doesn't want to look through options two through six, because they're already, uh, there's so many psychological things that are involved, but they're already sold on that one. And you didn't talk about options two through six. But if a customer wants a lower price, You've got a lower price. You've got options two through six that they can look at, and there's your there's your marketing or they're, not your marketing, but your um, your you know your discounting. You don't have to discount uh, if you got multiple options. So I think the options is the biggest part about not.
0: Not giving discounts. And I and I think it and I see it because I know I know when my guys aren't offering options and you know it, right? Because all of a sudden you'll see them sell basic, 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 basic. Yes. There's no consumer out there. Statistically, probably six out of ten, seven out of ten are gonna choose a better option than the basic, right? Yes. The only reason they ever pick the bottom option is because you don't believe in your pricing and you're not offering the big stuff. Cause every time I like I don't run when I run a call, I, I do a one through five star. I don't know the last time I sold anything under a three-star. Like yes. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that shit in my house. Why am I even offering it to a customer? The only reason you're offering it to a customer is you have a mental roadblock that they're not going to buy. And you know, the the power comes from talking from the from the from the high-end unit all the way down. Most of the time, what you do is you tell them the, the high end, this is what's included, this is all the bells and whistles, how it's going to change your life, how it's going to make it better. And then they're like, okay, what's the other ones? Well, okay, this other one's great, but you're going to lose this, this, this. Tell them what they're going to lose in that. Right. And magically, there. By the time you get to the third one, they're like, "Yeah, I don't want to lose any more shit. I want at least, I want to get this. Okay, well, hey, guess what? It's only twenty five dollars more a month to get to that one you really want. Let's go ahead and step that up." Are Are you guys pitching a lot of financing, or how do you guys go? Oh about?
2: yeah, we. Uh, I would say we're probably
0: eighty to ninety percent of our revenue is financed. financed which is, which is huge. So a lot of, a lot of guys are always talking about, Oh, my customers don't like to finance. No, no, no. The customers that bought from you don't finance the ones that didn't buy from you went down the street and bought from Jeff. They like to finance. Mm-hmm. So if you guys aren't preaching finance, and you're not talking about it. You're going to keep getting that basic system. That's discounted down to the cash they have in hand. Cause most people don't have more than $10,000 to their name. So all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm only selling uh, my biggest system. I'm selling is eight or nine grand because that's all they have. But if you yeah. give them an option where they can not have to put any money down, Get a low payment, get the system they want. You'd be surprised how much they would be able to buy. So, sounds like you got the framework of a great business. You're rolling into 2019, head into 2020. Uh, how did 2020 go for you guys?
2: 2020 was rough. Obviously, that was COVID. Uh, so, COVID hit us in the ass uh, pretty good. So, we ended up we ended up going backwards just a little bit. Uh, 2008 19, we did. The 2.4 million, 2020, we ended like 2.1, 2.2 million. So backwards sucked. It wasn't acceptable because we had the framework of getting ready to just blow it up in the next year. And then we
0: struggled to do the same thing we did the year before. Well, a lot of people don't realize like Utah, like shut down, shut down. Like, yeah. I went out to Utah during COVID in probably uh, May 2020 and like there was nobody in downtown. Mm-hmm. There was nobody in any bar. There was nothing. I had to wear a mask to go walk to my table. And I'm just like, where, where is everybody? Like no one's been here months, right? Yeah. They just would lock themselves yeah. up now. The so obviously that's, that was a big deal going through that, through that community. They're really scared about everybody coming in their house. So that definitely had to be rough. It's huge. So yeah, yeah 2020, you went down a little bit, but you're still running a great business, still running a profitable business, right? Yeah. Uh, heading into 2021, you guys are crushing it, right?
2: Well, and I think 2020 helped us crush it for 2021 because if we could get through that in our second year of business, when most companies fold and close the fucking doors in their second year of business, uh, we felt untouchable. So we went, uh, we almost doubled it up. We came just shy of four million in
0: 21. Yeah, that's freaking badass. Yeah. And I remember because I mean we started our business at the same time, so I remember going through that two thousand two through COVID. I lost all my key players. I lost my sales guys. Everybody's quitting on me because they're nervous. Because we're the new company. Everybody, and then you have the, the big guys. Are, they weren't scared. They had the cash, so they were throwing money at all my guys, saying, "Hey, come over here. We're secure. You don't got to worry about it." And, and I'm over here like, "Please don't leave me. Just, <laughs> just stay. out I'll, I'll do some nasty shit." No, I'm just kidding. But I was like, I was trying to get them to stay. And a lot of my, I lost a lot of my key employees, so I, I get exactly what that feeling was. Like we don't, when you first start out, you don't have access to a bunch of capital. You don't have access to all the things that these bigger companies do. Mm-hmm. So When you had to float everything, I remember I had a whole office staff, and all of a sudden it was me answering my phone. Yeah. And they're like refusing to come to work and wanted me to pay them they that while they're sitting at mm-hmm. home. And I'm like, dude, I will kill all of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't drive to your house right now and I'll give you COVID. Okay. You got a worst problem to deal with. That's facts. So you know, we get you get through all that stuff. You know, 2021, you guys, you guys come out, and have a great, have a great year over four million dollars. And you know, obviously, towards October last year is when, when we we partnered, and me and you had talked oh. about it with, with Pulte. And you came on um, at the end of October, actually at the Vegas event last year. Um, You want to talk a little bit about about how that's worked out for you guys, how it's been good, how it's been for your business?
2: It's been good, man. Uh, It's been a great partnership. And we talked about it. Uh, Victor tried to partner with me like two or three times before, and whether it was uh, me being stubborn or, you know, Whatever it was, it didn't work out those first few years or first few times we tried. But it's been a great partnership, man. I I heard the phrase before, you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, get a team. And and having a team, like we got some badass people uh, with Bill, with Rob, with you, and just with all of our other partners around the country, like uh, we're on a badass team now. So the resources, uh, the confidence,
0: uh it's been huge man it's
2: been awesome
0: You know, I was thinking about it the other day and, and we're quietly we've quietly built one of the bigger platforms in the whole industry so Hell yeah I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're in 10 different states at this point we have a bunch of partners and, and it's a bunch of young guys that are hungry yeah and the cool thing we do our partnerships different I'm like coming in and buying your business where you don't get to go eat you we like to get the owners keep majority so they keep the majority they get to get the lion's share of this thing when we actually go to take it to market even when we pay it out we don't tell them how to run their business. We just tell them they're dumbasses sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's one thing that's been weird working with Bill is like he will literally, he'll just make you feel dumb. You know what I mean? He <laughs> won't say you're dumb, but he's like, that's kind of stupid, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I I didn't at first, I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. Then I realized, I'm like, he's doing that on purpose. He wants, you, he wants you to go to the conclusion. He already sees what's going on. He can tell you what's wrong with your business, but he needs you to fucking learn. Because if you don't learn yourself, you're never going to fix the fucking problem yourself. That's right and that's that's what's been big for me because bill's like he'll literally look at it and say okay you know you think you really need that person you really think you should do that okay
2: there's been there's been group chats like with with the whole company and i'm over there texting victor like oh that dude didn't just say that like bill's about to go in on him like <laughs> you got to think about what the fuck you text out there before yeah.
0: you text out to bill because he'll let you know that, that was stupid well we were talking about the other day and there's this thing going around on social media and everybody's talking about oh the you know warning their friends and family about these price increases coming and, and bill goes in the chat me and bill had already talked about it before that i didn't post that shit so we talked about it and it's like, dude, the entire industry is literally saying, hey, how about you guys all come over and fucking rape us and give us these price increases." And me and Bill are like, I got an email from, from one of our distributors saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, got this, this is going to happen January 1st. And the first thing I texted back was scam <laughs> 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 or not
2: participating. Right. So like, yeah, you know, we're going to fire you if that shit happens yeah, January 1st. Yeah, exactly, Not we're just so. accepting
0: it. We're it's, cool with it. Yeah. These other guys are posting this stuff and they're accepting it. And yeah. this is the thing that we're like, you don't think about it as a business owner. You don't think about that. Have the ramifications of all this shit. And Bill's like, Bill, at first I didn't think about it. Bill's like, do you understand what they're just doing? They're literally just saying, come fuck me yeah. and I'm not going to lube you up. You're already prepared for it. And guess what? When the price goes up, it doesn't go back down. So, you know, if you guys are in this industry, you guys are listening to this stuff, stop accepting it. Start shopping your vendors, start doing that stuff. Because guess what? The the longer you take it, the longer you say, Oh, I'm a train guy. I'm a Linux guy. Fuck you. I'm a nothing guy. I'm a guy that's going to, who's going to take care of me? Yeah. At this point, it's crazy because consumer goods have gone down since March, but our prices keep going up. That sounds like a scam in my book, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, the distributors are listening to this. Hope you enjoyed it. We're coming. No, uh, my reply
2: was that was uh, because Bill said if you have any uh, distributors on your social media, like they, that's an open invitation for them to raise their prices. And my first thought was, why the fuck do you have distributors as friends on your social media? (laughs) Like
0: they're not friends; they're the enemies. No, you know, (laughs) obviously you got to have a relationship because obviously during COVID all that stuff, you want to be able to get your equipment. But it's like at some point you guys got to realize that they're it's a business; it's it's them versus you. Like they want to take your money. And I was I made a joke the other day. I was like, I don't. I might as well give them equity in the business, and they can stop giving me price increases. You know, what right. I mean? So You guys got to be smart about how you communicate, how you talk, because that stuff. Once you allow it in, once you allow it to happen, it becomes a bigger issue. And, and I'm sure I'm going to get shit from this, but whatever. Uh, so, got this great business. You guys got a partnership. Now you're wearing Louis Vuitton shoes. You got else? You got Louis Vuitton got necklace on. You got you're, you're the big boss now, man. Talk <laughs> about it. How does it feel to, you know, you're four years into business. And to be where you're at now, it seems like you're doing great. It seems like you're over here and you're in California traveling and your business is running back in Utah. Yeah, so yeah. how does that feel?
2: It feels good, man. It feels good to have a, a business that have leaders in a business that'll, that'll run when I'm not there. Uh, and it's good, man. Like 2021 with the partnership or 22, I mean, with the partnership, we, uh, we've taken off. And first I want to say, uh, I'll have Chase answer, but what was our EBITDA percentage in 21? You know what it was?
1: Thirty percent.
2: like thirty-one yeah. percent was our EBITDA percentage in twenty-one. Uh, so we make money. And now in twenty-two, obviously we don't want that number to go down. But in twenty-two, we've uh, passed our we passed our twenty twenty-one revenue on July fifteenth. So six and a half months. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And and now it's just uh the sky's the limit, man. And somebody told me that it's like riding a bike. And once you get up to the top of that hill, you know, that passing that five million is, is that top of the hill. And then you can kind of start coasting a little bit and not take your foot off the gas, but the business starts to generate some
0: uh some momentum and starts to run itself so it starts to become a real business at that point and then you know I, we thought, I talk to people all the time like you want to partner with me and i'm like how big's is your company like we're doing a million i was like you don't have a company yet you got a fucking hobby okay got a job you, you got a, own job. a job you, you don't know you on a job so there's a lot yeah. of things you have to have in place and you know if you're like oh i want to come talk to victor about partnership get your shit together first because i'm gonna we're gonna come in i'm gonna see your business you know we we, made, we had some partnerships we made race recently and i'm like I already knew like day one, like we're doing this, this, and this. Like I can see the problems of the business most of the time beforehand. And, and that's one great thing that Michelle does. So if you guys are looking for coaching, mentoring, you guys are at that, you know, you're trying to get to the next level, bring a coach in that's going to be able to help you. Someone that's going to be able to guide you how to get there because going blind sucks. I went blind myself, you know, Jeff went blind. Imagine where you would have been if you would have had guidance from day one, exactly what to do. Hell right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys got a great business. I got some other exciting news. You guys probably saw the lineup. Mr. Jeff Packard is going to be on the main stage at the Service Rocket Growth Summit. What are you going to be covering?
2: I don't know. It's going to be
0: exciting, though. It's going to be exciting. (laughs) So, So Jeff's going to be up there. He's going to be talking about probably about his business and life. And, you know, he's been through some stuff. And he's got a pretty cool story. So I'm excited to see him on stage. I'm excited to see everybody out there. The event's going to be badass. So it's going to be October 20th through 22nd Resort World Las Vegas. If you guys haven't got your tickets yet. It sold out so thank you guys for uh, for coming yeah. the guys that did buy tickets. Good job. Uh anything else you want to add Jeff, you know, anybody out there say they're, you know, a new business starting now, what would you say to those guys?
2: Uh don't be scared to throw that big net out there. Like you said, there's so many people that that don't have no direction on how to grow a business. They want to grow a business. Uh they don't have the money or they don't have the save every bit of that fucking profit you make on that job and include it into the next job. Like, we didn't spend a dime of what the company made. We didn't take any loans from day one. We started this business with $40,000, and we have not put a dollar into this business since then. Uh, and the business is, is doing great. But uh, go hard. Don't take your foot off the gas. And don't be afraid to spend that money. Uh, don't be afraid to pay that bonus to get that get that. Uh, lead sales guy or lead installer because you can't do it by yourself uh you can't do it without a team and you can't do it without money it takes money to make money
0: and and if your business isn't spitting out coins stop what you're doing and fix what say fix what's going on because these companies should be spitting out coin and if it's not happening you're doing something wrong you got to reevaluate evaluate what you're doing otherwise you're just going to be running in a hamster wheel you're going to be a go going and taking loans against the business that's not making any money you shouldn't have to do that stuff and if you have to go for you find yourself where you got to go take a loan and it's not for hey i'm already a huge business i want to go become a 40 million dollar business if you find yourself having to take a loan because you don't have the cash flow there's something going on in your business you need to fix it because all you're going to do is add debt and these might as well be spelled death because that's what's going to happen to your business if you don't fix it as soon as for you bring sure. on debt so jeff chasey is a pleasure having you guys on i'm excited to you know be taking a jet out to vegas with you Hell in, a, yeah. in, a, in a, about a month and a half excited to have you guys as friends excited to have you guys as partners thanks again uh, thanks again for everybody for tuning into the Service Rocket uh, Service Rocket podcast. This is episode number eight. Tune in next week. We have another exciting episode for you guys. Thank you.